Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. Uh, this is our second episode, which has been really exciting. I am Sean Ferrick. Thanks, Winnie. And of course, joining me this week again is the lovely Paul Sutherland. Paul, how are you getting on? Very well. Excellent, excellent. Good to hear. Um, crazy question, Paul. Did you watch Star Trek this week? You know, I think I squeezed it in this week. Uh, let, me, nice. let me just uh, think about it for a second. Yes. Yes, I watched The Sanctuary. Um <laughs> I watched also your ups and downs, um, so I'm familiar with your take uh, that you thought it was a middling episode. I thought that mm. there was actually a couple of interesting reveals, but, you know, it was fine. Um, I definitely um, kind of like kind of lumped it together with uh, Scavengers as sort of a, you know, they, they both kind of accomplished the same thing, establishing the Emerald Chain as a threat and continue to kind of give us another look at the rougher side of the Star Trek universe in the 32nd century. Um, I was intrigued by, you know, the sort of power vacuum uh, left by the Federation picked up by the emerald chain osira was mustache twirling but it's great to have a <laughs> i thought it was great to have a female uh, adversary because those are fairly rare in the star trek universe yeah um but rin said something that has just like had my mind going all week uh which is he was telling tilly that he was taught to uh, essentially be afraid of the federation that the federation were boogeymen to Andorian children and while Tilly, you know, kind of brushed it off, it really made me wonder if Tilly doesn't know. Tilly's not from the thirty second century. So are the Federation is Starfleet evil in the thirty second century? I so So this is one thing I've been wondering throughout the season. But the first thing because you just said something interesting there that like like Rin says, Andorian children have been taught so this was one thing I was wondering because we know that Earth has left the Federation. We know that Vulcan Nivar has left the Federation, and that they, of the founding worlds, 
that left Andor because I wasn't sure if Andor had left or if there had just been say you know a faction had joined up with the Emerald Chain so that's that's the big ones I mean Telar would of course be the other one right and, um, and uh, based on people of Earth uh, looks like Telar is at least aligned with Earth given that there was a uh, Tellarite member of the Earth Defense Force who uh, boarded Discovery and searched the ship. Uh, so Tellar, you know, maybe uh, is aligned with Earth, but not in the Federation either. I didn't see any Tellarites uh, at the at Federation headquarters. There's Cardassians, there were a bunch of new aliens, and obviously humans, and holograms, which, I don't know, uh, I, I find the hologram thing a little bit suspicious. <laughs> Maybe it's just me um, projecting, <laughs> but uh, I, I kept wondering if maybe everyone's a hologram in the Federation. That might be a little bit of a leap. Or, I suppose, one thing that Star Trek has set the groundwork for, thanks to the low budgets of earlier seasons, is that, well, we assume these human-looking things are human. We don't know they are. You know, how many species have we encountered in the Star Trek universe that there but for the grace of some DNA? You know, so... Yeah, and you know, I mean, my theory is probably completely BS given the fact that the, you know, there are holograms that are being used by Starfleet, but I don't know. I just, like... Uh... Oh, oh, yeah, but, but he, I suppose, not that everyone, but I suppose the best example would be Admiral Vance. I mean, we assume he's human, sure. I, 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 I haven't I, seen a bird search. Yeah, I mean, he seems human. I, I, I guess I'm just, like, alarms, you know, were raised by his seemingly willful, willful ignorance of the burn. Mm. You know, the, the fact that in 120 years, Starfleet hasn't had time to investigate what caused the burn. They haven't tried to undo the burn. You know, there's certain... Uh, you know, not knowing what caused the burn seems like a a a, a severe uh, lack of due diligence on the part of Starfleet. I think, and I so because I think yeah, there's so much to unpack in Starfleet in general. But I have a question for you: Is it as obvious to you as it is to me that it's not just that? he's been so obviously, you know, as you say, ignorant about the burn, or maybe deliberately ignorant about the burn, it's that the crew of the Discovery seem to be taking that at faith. Well, you know, so this so this could just be a plot contrivance. It could just be that the writers only want the Discovery to find out, to uncover the truth about the burn. So they're just sort of hand-waving it away and saying, you know, Starfleet's had other things to deal with. That I can totally accept that. That is likely what's going on. But, you know, uh, suspicious me kind of looks at that and thinks, hmm, what are they, what are they really up to? Well, I suppose on, on suspicious you, right, um, I, think there's, I think there's a really interesting conversation about, about Starfleet, about, as, as you, sorry, you said the exact words, is Starfleet evil? And so what do we know about it so far what like what so 32nd century starfleet what, what do we know about it well we don't know much and you know let, let's just be clear here evil is probably a harsh term uh where we're we are speculating about the motives of the federation without actually having been given really any information about their motives so far in the text of the show 
Um, but we know that they're significantly diminished. There are still a few uh, familiar members, but for the most part, it seems to be a lot of nondescript aliens and humans, but not Earth, not the member worlds. I'm talking about the Federation, not just Starfleet. Although, Saru stated, um, you know, uh, he said specifically that Federation headquarters housed both Starfleet and the Federation civilian government. However, we haven't seen them. We haven't seen Starfleet's civilian managers, and I think that that might be a little bit telling. They're suspect, maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm just reading something into everything. But well, sorry. What I will say is, this is the internet. Read away. <laughs> this is what we do. Yes, this you is know? just Reddit incarnate. Um, yeah. <laughs> now you know. Star Trek Discovery's had kind of an interesting relationship with the Federation and Starfleet um, right from the get-go in the pilot episode. Starfleet is depicted as literally a faceless, you know, bureaucracy that punishes Michael Burnham. Um, the finale of the first season of Star Trek Discovery has the crew of uh, Discovery essentially threatening to mutiny against Starfleet themselves. And a lot of fans have, you know, uh, have have taken um, umbrage nearly. Umbrage. Taken, taken, yeah. Yeah, they've taken uh, a lot of fans have taken exception with the portrayal of Starfleet in both Discovery and in Star Trek Picard. Um, is this a recurring theme? Is this being carried over into Star Trek Discovery? Um, I was <laughs> I was thinking a lot about the fact that. Despite the fact that Star Trek is a, you know, is beloved by everyone across, not everyone, but it's beloved by, you know, so I was thinking that despite the fact that Star Trek has international appeal, it is written by Americans, and it generally reflects, you know, um, our Americans' um, perspective on the world, despite whatever era it's produced in, you know, and currently there is um, a high level of mistrust in our government and i absolutely see that reflected in the way the federation and starfleet are depicted in star trek picard star trek discovery not lower decks because it's a 90s throwback but um so it, it it simply could just be a cultural thing but there also might be a story point here i think like because uh, uh, i think you're right i think to to not discuss the depiction of Starfleet in Discovery from what we've seen, certainly Star Trek Picard. I mean, there's hours, hours, hours of things we can talk about with Starfleet and Star Trek Picard. Um, and I will, I will hold my hand up and say, I don't have a problem with how Starfleet was depicted in Picard because I think there was enough information that they dropped in as to why it's certainly different. Uh, and you're right. I think lower decks. It, we we have this trifecta, right, of depictions really of where the universe, where the franchise is at. Right. Um, I love the description you said. That lower decks is a '90s throwback, and you're right. It is. Um, it's the the carefree days of the Enterprise D, basically. Right. And Mike McMahon did an interview with Ket Walski, um, in which he said that they really tried to restrict their depiction of of uh, the Star Trek universe to the way it would have been depicted in the 90s. So uh, Badgie, for example, is uh, a parody of Clippy, which is a very 90s yeah. reference that a lot of people probably wouldn't even remember now. Um, but they didn't 
you know, they deliberately chose to keep it restricted in this sort of TNG era of production and TNG era of storytelling. So in Star Trek Picard, the depiction of the Federation was, you know, not the most positive. There were a couple of factors playing that, you know, that sort of marred its, you know, its um, perfect image, I suppose, that we had from TNG. But a lot of that also comes from the fact that the show is set from Picard's perspective, and Picard has a low estimation of Starfleet now because of his, because he had to retire, you know, he was essentially fired from Starfleet. Um, so whether or not Starfleet is quite so bad as we perceive in Star Trek Picard, you know, I, I feel like it might be rehabilitated in the future uh, of the series, or it's possible that it just kind of continues on its downward trajectory and ends up where we see it in uh, Discovery Season 3, where, you know, it's just in, in a terrible state and, you know, the unthinkable's happened in which former member, founding members have decided to just split. And it's, I mean, it, sticking with the Picard theme as well, so obviously there's a huge Romulan uh, storyline running through Picard and the Vulcans and the Romulans have seceded from the Federation by the 32nd century of Discovery So, and, and my point being that the Romulans the Federation and of course the Klingons are the three big I suppose you, uh, uh, empires for want of a better word I know the Federation isn't currently an empire and they've done a hard reset because I think it had it, it had kind of gotten stale, but I don't mean that as, a, as as much of an insult as it sounds. Um, by the time Voyager returned home, because obviously Enterprise was the prequel, by the time Voyager returned home, what exactly did Starfleet do? Um, you described as a, a bureaucracy. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I mean, as far as we understand, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, Star Trek Lower Decks kind of fills in the gaps a little bit. And what do we get from Starfleet, you know, in that series is they are the scolding admirals for the most part. We don't, you know, we don't really have an understanding of like a larger um, political context. We don't know if there are, you know, if there is some kind of other uh, antagonist out there that Starfleet's having to deal with, whether they're... You know, I mean, um, Picard very sketchily, um, you know, indicated that there was some kind of humanitarian effort, but, you know, but heavily implied that Starfleet had dropped the ball on that particular effort. Um, I think, uh, um, because you're right, I think implied could be replaced with out and out just stated um, and there, there was a fantastic book um, by Dr. Una McCormick it's uh, Star Trek Picard The Last Best Hope I think we might have talked about this before and it effectively fills in some of the gaps between the supernova no well it, it, kind of, it covers the supernova of course but it basically tells the story of what they did hmm. and they did a lot but by doing a lot, it addressed the idea of the Federation does not have infinite resources. Because we were born and bred on, oh, a replicator will fix that. Or the Starfleet Corps of Engineers will fix that. And eventually, and there's always been dilithium. And that's interesting to be in Discovery that, as with Picard, the lack of resources 
is one of the driving points of the plot. And of course, what is Earth going through at the moment? We are going through paralleling events. So it is crossing over into Star Trek for sure, I think. Right. But, I mean, again, this this still leaves the question, is Starfleet suspect? Or do they have nefarious motives that we have yet to, you know, fully... Uh, realize in Discovery Season 3. This is sort of a flaw of the um, serialized mystery box style storytelling that they're currently engaged in. In Star Trek's past, I guess the pre-CBS era, we just knew. You know, we were just told what's going on with Starfleet and the Federation. We were just told what they are, and we accepted that. And if something undermined that um, knowledge that was played out in an episode you know we had admiral pressman who represented a you know a cabal of starfleet admirals who were trying to develop a phase cloak against the law that was you know that was an event that was a development but that you know we didn't have to wait a season or you know or five however many seasons uh to to kind of like suss that out you know it was there was a that there's there's a status quo and then a story occurs and makes us question that status quo a little bit, and then the next story comes along and we're right back to normal. Here, because we don't know everything that's happening, because the stories are being told in this um, unfolding mystery, uh, we have to kind of speculate. So, yeah. No, it is, like, it's... It's sort of be careful what you wish for a little bit because I remember watching DS9 as it was coming out and loving that it was serialized. I loved that there was, you know, an ongoing story arc. And that's not to say that I didn't like the way Next Gen was. I really did. I liked that we had Monster of the Week nearly. Um and Voyager it was closer to Next Gen in terms of how it did its story, but um it had obviously overall things as Discovery from the off and they, they had always said it was going to be this same with Picard they said it was going to be this it's like a, I think Picard was described as a 10 hour movie right. uh, which it is um, and Discovery was very heavily serialised as well and remains to be very heavily serialised and yet the problem with that is keeping the energy up because you do need to have your quieter episodes. That's where, obviously, I came down hard on Scavengers and the Sanctuary was a bit underwhelming. But I suppose you need to have those as well because if you had rip-roaring action for every episode of the season, you run the risk of kind of falling into the season one of Discovery issue. And again, I'm not hating on season one of Discovery, but just there was a lot of style over substance. Yeah, and, you know, I think that there's a little bit of, like, it's a flaw of the storytelling, it's a flaw of pop culture analysis as it, you know, stands right now, that we're constantly looking for canon connections. We kind of, we want to peel back the layers and see what we can uncover, even if there's nothing there. This could simply be a recurring motif in Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard, that the Federation isn't, like, the goody-two-shoes organization that we were led to believe, and that's it, that it's a little bit more complicated than that, not nefarious, not evil, though it could also be a, a recurring story thread that is, you know, co- that's continuing to develop and that we're just not quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, I suppose to bring it back to the central question, what do you think? Is Starfleet evil or 
is the Starfleet that we have seen in Season 3 of Discovery, are they evil? Well, they're clearly not evil. Yet. Right? Like, we don't Uh know that. If they are or not. What I will say is that I hope that they're more interesting than how they've been depicted over the last eight episodes or five episodes, however many episodes the Federation's actually been in. Because I think the willful ignorance, if that's a plot contrivance, that's not that great. Um, And I think it'd just be way more interesting if they did turn out to be a bunch of holograms or they were up to no good and Discovery would have to rebuild something other than the Federation. I mean, like, that, you know, that they would... That rebuilding the Federation, coming from 900 years in the past, and saying, hey, this is the way it used to be, and we want it to be this way again, I don't know if that's very Star Trek-y to me. I know that the Federation is, like, a symbol of Gene Roddenberry's optimistic future, but I think Gene Roddenberry would also recognize that not everything lasts, society changes, and staying the same for a century or nine centuries is not the most desirable outcome, you know, of what he, you know, initially started, what he initially wrote about. There's there's an episode of DS9 that this reminds me of a lot, this conversation, and it's the fourth season, Ascension, mm-hmm. or Accession. I might be pronouncing that wrong. But the wormhole opens, and a, an ancient solar sailing ship arrives at the station carrying the first person to discover the wormhole who we find out wasn't Cisco at all right the first emissary exactly yeah this Bajoran poet and he goes back and says no what have you done you've gone completely off the rails let's bring it back now to the way things were in my time and there's this whole talk because there was a caste system at the time and the point of it was like no we have moved on from where what it was when you left and if that's where they're going with Discovery, which I think I agree, I think they should show that there has been progress and change. Now, whether it turns out to be bad or good, we'll see as the season goes on, but I don't think it should just go back to the way it was. I, I, I think there has to be something new and there has to be a reason. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm not slamming Star Trek Discovery if they're going to try to reunite the Federation and that's it. Like that, it's as, as pure as we're better together and so we're going to get the the band back together that's a fine storytelling you know like that's a fine story like i'm totally down with that if it was more interesting and that included the federation being more layered more gray still or again i'm down with that too um you know like i i i really don't want to be like well i wish it was like i wish that things were even more terrible in the 32nd century that's definitely not that's not my opinion <laughs> you monster <Yeah. laughs> um well look i uh, it's 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 a really really interesting topic and I think it's only something that's going to build each week um, to anyone who is listening or watching this right now we want to hear what you think we want to hear what you're getting from this season uh, please drop your thoughts in the comments below um, while you're at it please like share and subscribe very much appreciate it um, for now before we move on to the next section uh, Paul is there anything else that you think that just we just want to keep right in the front of our minds going forward you know what i think that now is a good time for news because we'll get that ah nicely done for over two centuries you're listening to the federation news network so sean um big news this week right we saw um kind of <laughs> No, 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 not big news. No, 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 no. Kind of pretty big news. Yeah, big news, major news. I mean, uh, you know, as don't major as it suspense, gets. Paul. As major <laughs> as it gets, right? So, uh, Star Trek Discovery has been really cagey with the the content they that they release in the run up to their uh, upcoming episodes. The photos that we discussed last week for you know last week's episode, as I said, it was just a bunch of people sitting around looking at consoles. Um, this week's photos, just a bunch of people walking around the corridors. However, we do see that Giorgio is arming herself with a new kind of phaser, which says to me that the really beautiful 23rd century phasers that we saw in the first two seasons of Discovery are out. And we have a new 32nd century pistol. What did you think? Did you look at that pistol? Um, I did. It's the one, it, uh, as you're saying, it's the one from the opening credits. It's the... Uh... I, I I like. I mean, how do I say this? I kind of like that it looks like a gun, and I know that's a silly thing yeah. to say because I love the phaser designs. Don't get me wrong, I do, but I've always liked the original. Um, I suppose what you call it, a stock, and then the main body, a pistol. Um, yeah, thank you. It's uh, clearly I have so much weaponry experience over here, um, but I do like that. It does look very kind of slick, and it reminds I think of another show that's on television. Yeah, or well, is anything on television say, anymore? Are we allowed to say the the name of the show? Let's just not. Um, um, but I actually yeah. miss I miss the Dustbuster. Uh, I I you know Star Trek Picard went back mean. to the like it's like almost like a Dustbuster pistol hybrid, and then now we're in um, the thirty second century on Discovery, and it's like just like ray gun, again. <laughs> <laughs> I like actually ray gun. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. But I more that. interesting than that, more interesting than a couple of photos of people standing around some corridors. Um, the Ready Room dropped a clip from the upcoming episode Terraformer Part 1 
in which we saw a temporal agent. We saw Kovic talking to uh, Hugh Culper in sickbay, telling him a little bit about what's afflicting Giorgio, and it turns out that traveling through time and across universes, traveling from the 23rd century and being from the mirror universe is not good for your cells. And that you, apparently your cells want some kind of like equilibrium and time traveling and crossing over throws them all out of whack. So Giorgio is dying, and he uses, as an example, a temporal agent called Yor, who is a Beetlejuicean from the motion picture era, like that... Uh, what was the uh, name of the Beetlejuicean from the uh, first episode of the season? Do you remember? Oh, I don't. I already remember. It's Cosmo. His name was Cosmo. (laughs) I think is a great name for a Star Trek character. Um, So maybe future series can have like a Cosmo, not Cosmo Kramer, but Cosmo. Um, Anyway, so Yor, the Beetlejuicean that uh, Kovic is telling Hugh about, is a temporal agent from an alternate universe created by a Romulan mining ship. And this is the first overt reference to the Kelvin timeline in all of Star Trek television. It's it's pretty serious news. Like, this is... So, obviously, there was, there was a boring reason for a long time as to why there was no... It was because there was rights. I mean, it was, it was kind of split down the middle. The TV universe kind of ex- uh, existed with CBS, and the movie universe still existed with paramount i say existed but you know what i mean with paramount they're now all under one big family again like would you have any kind of personal uh skin in the game for this one what just beyond the fact that i really like all three kelvin timeline movies even star trek into darkness don't at me um (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah also uh as i said last week as sean likes to constantly remind me I was an extra in Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. So, you know, I kind of feel a little attachment to the Kelvin timeline. I kind of feel like I grew up there in a way. And died there, too, by the way. <laughs> well, that, well that, yeah, that's true. So, sorry, commiserations. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and how are you feeling? Because how you've come over from that dimension. And, of course, that was in the future. So you've time-traveled as well. Are you feeling okay? You know, I'm just waiting for my body to, like, fritz out like George O's did. That was weird. And that actually led me to kind of think about the whole hologram thing again but no I, that's just that's an unrelated affliction i think that's good <laughs> that's just that's just a whole other problem she's going through but okay that's cool uh, i think this this is huge news i'm delighted now obviously we've seen in the pictures as well which is even visually it's even more fun because it's as you say kelvin timeline is confirmed in dialogue in starter discovery and the example the temporal agent you're is wearing a TNG season one right. security operations. Yeah, so uniform. it's a little. I'm just delighted. <laughs> it's a little unclear based on the dialogue. Um, I believe Kovic says that Yor is from the Kelvin timeline from 2379, but he's a temporal yeah. agent disguised in 2360s prime universe clothing. That's my read on it, anyway. Um, I could be wrong. It may not even matter. It's really silly that we get this excited about. <laughs> A uniform and a Kelvin timeline reference, but this is the kind of people that we are, and you know this is true. Sure, you you know this as well. So when Lower Decks was on, um, you wrote some amazing. I, I still read these lists of just the Easter eggs because that's how excited we get about this stuff. If there was, if if all it was is just an image of him in that uniform and it's never mentioned again, I'm still delighted to have seen that image. 
You yeah. know what I mean? You know what? The, what's also interesting about this, and uh, not to belabor the news section here, but um, <laughs> the trailer for Terra Firma um, showed actually an earlier version of the footage of Yor than the version that we got from the Ready Room. And Yor was actually wearing a Voyager Generations era com badge with his TNG Season 1 uniform that was corrected digitally for the Ready Room clip, which I assume will you know be reflected in the episode. Um, also, though, the, the episode preview showed a much less colorful uh, version of the footage. It's clear that they hadn't color corrected it yet. And I mentioned last week that I wondered if they were either lighting the sets differently or if they were doing it in post-production. And it would, be, it would appear that the blue hue of the sets, uh, the blue lighting on Discovery, is actually a product of the color timing that they're applying after the fact in post-production. I thought that was kind of an interesting glimpse into the process. It is. It is a bit. It's something that uh, I'm. I'm really interested in the behind the scenes of particularly this season because this season. I might be generalizing, but this season I think out of nearly not every but many seasons of Star Trek before has had so many difficulties. Of course, the situation that we are all currently living through at the moment, um, and how that they've overcome those kind of issues and. Again, because I still feel like I'm apologizing at this point, I know an awful lot of the uh, graphics work was done uh, from home offices, from home. and it yeah. is, it's really, really interesting. But just, I think, yeah, so looking forward to the coming episode. Obviously, that's the thing I'm most excited about, but I am delighted that we seem to be getting... I, I presume we won't get answers to Giorgio uh, in this week's episode, but we're, we're definitely addressing that mystery. Took or, long or, enough. Or, uh, <laughs> it took long enough, but we are getting there. That's 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 a positive. Uh, that's something good. Um, I, I on your point about the at home post production, I think it's either Kurtzman or Michelle Paradise, who's the showrunner, gave an interview before the season began, uh, in which they revealed one of the two. I don't remember which. Uh, they said that some of the post production work, because they couldn't get the actors back on stage, was was holy CGI, that there would be CGI body doubles this season. I haven't spotted anything yet, but you should definitely take a look, or keep your eyes out, and, you know, let us know if you see anything, because I'm really interested to see if there's, like, a freaky CGI Michael Burnham that shows up at some future episode here. <laughs> I have a feeling that that glitch scene with George O might have been computer generated maybe maybe otherwise i you know though i wouldn't put it past uh, michelle yo's amazing acting to to uh <laughs> to commit to she that kind of method. body uh, body transformation um but you know so cgi michael might be coming cgi anybody might be coming it might they might be headed for the airlock too so i think that that that's a good time that's a good time to talk about cargo bay 101 For over two centuries, the Federation News Network. All right, so this is only our second podcast, so you may not be familiar with Cargo Bay 101. I'm just going to pose the question to Sean. What's one thing from the entire Star Trek universe that you can live without that you want to actually take from the franchise, throw it in the airlock, and blow it out into space. Sean, do you have an answer for me? I do have an answer, is and it's one I actually feel quite strongly about. Is it going to be controversial? It might be. 
It might be. Um, I think we put Captain Picard in the... No, okay, not that controversial. Um, we will, however, need a big cargo bay for this one. Okay. Because we're going to put an entire starship into the cargo bay. Uh-oh. I want to put the USS Sao Paulo, or... I know it wasn't Defiant A, but for the sake of this, Defiant A, I want to put that into the cargo bay and I want to blast it into space. Do you want to tell us why before I agree with you anyway? So, in the so the seventh season of DS9 uh, broke an awful lot of barriers for Star Trek, but it, obviously it wasn't the only depiction of the war. The war had been going for season six as well, but what it did do is for the first time in series, it took the hero ship and destroyed it. So the USS Defiant... Spoiler, by the way, but it's 20 years ago, so come on. Uh, The USS Defiant is part of a task force to take back uh, captured territory in Cardassian space. And this is the episode where the new ally of the Dominion, which of course is the Breen, it's when they join the fight against the Federation Alliance. In one of the most devastating battle scenes, which is up there with the aftermath of Wolf 359 in terms of shock, the Defiant, along with all but one, I think, of the rest of the fleet, are destroyed. And it's brutal. It's abs- there's, there's no getting... I think they get maybe one or two shots off before all power is stripped from the ship and... It is so grim. It is so... It's it's a proper gut punch. The beautiful Defiant that we've loved so much, you see it burning. So, okay, so you might be going, well then, wouldn't you be delighted to see a new Defiant then? But no, because it feels like less than five minutes later... Ah, oh, it's Grant, there's the new one. And it, for me, it takes away some of the impact of that loss. You know, um, I I really don't want this podcast to just be me telling you that you're right, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it completely undercuts the destruction of the Defiant, though it robs us of a spectacular battle scene in the finale, the series finale. I hate to agree with you in every single one of these, but you're right. And you know what? I'm not just agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with Dr. Bashir, who hated the purple carpet. I hate it, too. So let's flush the Sao Paulo slash USS Defiant A-ish out the airlock thank you um well look paul thank you very much and i had a lot of fun this week i think there is an awful lot more to be said about everything we've covered this week but for now guys thanks so much for joining us grab on to something but before we go goodbye thank you very much Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.